Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The unmissable Sky Black Friday sale has arrived. Get Sky Q with the TV you love all in one place. And lightning fast broadband with our best ever Wi-Fi all around your home. Plus, choose from Sky Sports or Sky Cinema. All for just €60 a month for 12 months with no setup fees. Don't miss out this Black Friday. Just search Sky Black Friday. New customers only. Availability subject to location. Minimum terms and further terms apply. For more info, see sky.ie slash speeds. Offer ends December 9th. Welcome everybody to the Blood and Mud podcast, the podcast that's running out of bog roll, and I'm, I'm just going to let I'm going to see what what comes of it. Yeah, I bought twelve rolls on Saturday, so you found you know. them. Well done. Yeah, yeah, I had to get weird ones with aloe vera on it, but you know, yeah. I do love everyone stocking up on the shit stuff. Well, it's like, it's there's the like an entire right? entire shelf of like four ply cashel left, and everything yeah. else is gone. <laughs> Oh, hang on. I mean, I know, I know I'm preparing for the apocalypse, but steady on. I, the thing is about that, right, is that I have, I'm in no way susceptible to panic buying, right? I don't give a fuck. But because people are panic buying something that I just yes. need as a matter of course, it forces the rest of us yeah. to buy more well, than we need. that's how you justify it, see? I don't panic buy, but everyone else is, so what am I supposed to do? Yeah. It's like it's one of those things where it's like you can sort of you can, the, the the tide is coming in, the river is running. You've kind of just got to go along for the ride at this point. But the thing is, if you go see buying twelve rolls of toilet roll is a normal purchase. When I buy yeah. a bog roll, I buy a big bag, and then that's it yeah. for eight months or whatever long it is. Not that long, yeah. but you know what I mean. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. Should your sort of the thing that you need coincide with something that people are panic buying? Why toilet roll? Why? What do I they think? What is it about it. toilet roll? Me an answer. It's like it's I understand flu. dried foods and canned goods and things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's and also you know it's a flu. If anything, you should be buying tissues. Yes. Well, you'll want the aloe vera, won't you? So you don't you and know make you, your nose yeah, all yeah, red yeah. on there. 
Anyway, yeah. I'm, I'm running out yeah. of bog roll, but I'm sure my local spa will have some. So Yeah, someone will have them. They'll charge you about 17 quid for one. Anyway, but, you, know. you know, toilets are in bathrooms. If only there was, yeah. you know, running water and soap you could <laughs> yeah. use in an let's emergency. Get, let's, get con- let's get continental with this Yeah, shit, sit in your own literally. sink and wash your ass. That's what I say. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I said sit in your own sink, by the way, not shit in your own sink. <laughs> sit in your own sink. Um, anyway, <laughs> I am without bog roll and I'm also Lee. Yes, you remain. And you are? Uh, Josh, just about, yeah. We're late again, Josh. Yeah. Oh, well. I can't, I can't, I won't give you any more of the kitchen saga, but it's to do with that. Everyone guessed, whatever I said, I'm going to be late. I've got 18 tweets saying, this kitchen better be fucking good. (laughs) (laughs) Which is exactly what you've been thinking. Yeah, it better be. Let me tell you. Week 10. Anyway, we move on. Um, (laughs) So, so we're not even later with the chat. You can get in touch with me at Blood and Mud. You want to abuse me about my kitchen at Blood and Mud or Lee at bloodandmud.com. Yeah. And you, Josh? Uh, at Josh Gardner. My kitchen's fine. So don't, I mean, I've you seen can your abuse kitchen. me. It's it. relatively it's not, near, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, relatively, yeah. It's not, not, not 100% to my taste. I'll level with you. But, you know, it's fine. Yeah. Well, It's I, got a white sink. I don't I don't understand why. And the, and the toasted bagels with jam that you made me while I was in there. Wow, Perfect. Yeah. Did that job absolutely if wonderful. If you haven't got a toaster with a bagel option, you're mugging yourself off. That's all I'm going to say. say. Yeah. Well, see, I mean, what's yeah. the point of surviving a pandemic if you can't have a fucking toaster with bagel <laughs> option? No fucking point. No point. You might as well let it wash over you and consume you. Anyway, so that's how you get in touch with us. We're on ACAS, we're on iTunes, and lots of other different places. We're on patreon.com slash blood and mud for all you people who give us a lovely bit of support. We've had a couple more people come into the normal area this week. They've had an email off me. Somebody actually responded and said, oh, so you do actually email people? Yes, yes, I do. Why would I say it <laughs> if I don't do it? Um, um, or he said, he said, I thought only people when the VIP lounge got an email. No, everyone gets an email. Only VIP yeah. lounge people get a mention. Speaking of which... Guess who's joined the VIP lounge this very day? Who the hell has joined the VIP lounge this Friend very day? Friend of the pod, Adam Reese. Oh, good lad. He was already a contributor, but then something went wrong and he's joined the VIP lounge. I, I don't know, it seemed like a long story. I got bored reading halfway through his message, to be honest. But the fact <laughs> is, he's a, he's a lovely man and he's joined the VIP lounge. Welcome in, Adam. Um, don't I don't know, you're going to have to have the jukebox ration, though, I'll be honest. I mean, you don't want to let him. Mean, de- imagine, yeah, imagine yeah, Adam Reese with a wad of ten pound coins in his <laughs> mitt going near the jukebox. No bringing that ultimate power stuff into the. <laughs> so yeah. anyway, thank you everybody who helps, and thank you everybody, who, and I hope you enjoy the extra content that you get. There's, if you haven't joined already, you don't have to, but if you do, you get extra stuff. You get our rugby history stuff with the ex- excellent Professor Tony Collins. You, you get do. some World Cup retrospective stuff. You get a Gavin Henson special. <laughs> Because it's like a thing to do. Yes, we did. Um, You get the what else do you get? Lions tour retrospective discussions, which are always always quite good fun. The team of the nineties, which we started and stopped, but we are starting again. again. Two weeks. We're finally getting. We've done fullbacks, and now a year later, we're doing (laughs) wingers, and we'd have completed the team of the nineties by the sort of late 21st century. Yes, when there's only four of us the left next, on Earth like with the all the toilet like roll and, yeah. and, and no virus. <laughs> um, so there you go. Yeah, so that's Patreon.com. Thank you very much, everybody. Shall we start with a player spotted, as we always do? We probably should, yeah. Eben James writes, A couple of weeks ago, I was in Neath for work. Now, this is already pretty fucking miserable, isn't it? <laughs> I was in Neath for work, and with an hour to kill before my meeting, a meeting in Neath, <sighs> 
The mind no, boggles. An hour to kill. An hour to an kill. Hour to kill one, well, what meeting to... was it? Two, what would you do anyway? Yeah, I mean, the, if you don't need to buy a new car, you can't even go to Trade Centre Wales, you know? It's like... <laughs> Anyway, Eben says, yeah. I had an hour to kill. I went into a newish looking coffee shop, stroke bar, stroke cafe, stroke bistro type place called 1021. Oh, I know where this is going. Beer? Bloody Paul James's cafe. Well, yeah. yeah, he says, so I'm sipping my coffee. I looked outside and noticed a familiar looking shape slowly ascending <laughs> the barrier of the cafe's outside seating area was ex Wales front rower and Osprey's Academy's coach, Paul James. Yeah. He was wearing a North Face jacket and had some WIU shorts on. Good lad. <laughs> Which made me wonder if he's been kept in shorts by Wales and if he's the same size as his playing days. I do love the idea because we've all got loads of old... Sh- like, for example, we got some Canterbury stash. I think when we mm-hmm. first got to know each other about five years ago, you kindly yeah. halved the Canterbury stash with me. We did. I've still got that, like, 100%. stuff in packets yeah. from that now yeah. that I use yeah. mostly for plastering and things. But anyway. <laughs> anyway... So he says here, he looks a bit pissed off as he worked out which metal pole went into the other bit and all that kind of stuff. He said, after a bit of Googling, it turns out the 1021 is a coffee shop, bar, cafe, bistro type place that he and his wife run, as you fucking jumped yeah. the gun and said already. Um, he says the coffee was all right. Full stop. <laughs> <laughs> he says, I hope that was sufficiently boring and detailed for you. Take care. Exclamation mark. He exclaimed, so take care. That says Josh. Um, I wish she just make this podcast to Adam Reese heavy, but when Adam Reese did a thing for me for uh, Canterbury maybe two or three years ago, um, Adam Jones was there as one of the Canterbury ambassadors, and Adam said that he brought all of his stuff and kit in a Lions 2009 like team rucksack that he obviously just still had from when he was on the Lions tour in 2009, and it was just he just kept it and. How much stash must these people have? You know, Paul James probably never needs to buy a pair of shorts ever again. Yeah. He's, think how much kit. Think how much fucking kit they get. And you from know, the sounds like of it, he's, he's, he's a shorts in winter, man. Which a lot of forwards Front rows, are. Isn't it? Yeah, I was going to say. Front row, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> Standard. A lot of forwards are. Forwards. Well, Adam, yeah, speaking of Adam Jones again, I've never seen Adam Jones in anything other than shorts and flip flops when not on the field. Yeah. And not like a function. A mate of mine, no matter what time of year it was, it was amazing. He would he would be in short sleeves and a gilet. So obviously his extremities just didn't get cold. He just wasn't worried about them at all. Because people will say, oh, you know, if you, as long as you keep your core warm, everything else is fine. I call bollocks on that. Absolutely. Because I've I tried it and it does not fucking work. Yeah, your arms still your get cold, your legs still get cold. You know, the that doesn't mean that you doesn't mean that you don't develop a tolerance, but I just say just pretending like it doesn't you wouldn't be better off wearing trousers is bollocks. The worst pain you will ever feel is when you are approximately thirty five miles from home, mm-hmm. it's late February, you're cycling mm-hmm. and you've brought the mm-hmm. wrong gloves. <laughs> that is the worst pain you will ever feel. It feels like it never will ever, ever end the pain you are feeling. <laughs> basically. I can believe that. We've yeah. all been there. Well, people who are listening, there were some people listening who know exactly what I'm talking about. Mm. Anyway, shall we talk? do some news? Yeah, yeah. Shall we build up to the news that everybody knows? <laughs> that we're probably going to talk about for quite a while. Well, there's a pandemic, huh? Uh, uh, Officially a pandemic now, everyone. Yeah, uh, England's 
Japan tour is apparently uh, potentially going to be called off. I would imagine that is very much the thin end of the going to be called off wedge (laughs) as far as fucking sport goes and rugby goes. Every single fixture now has an asterisk next to it, and at the bottom it just says called off. Well, it just has an asterisk that says TBC. Yes, TBC. (laughs) Yeah, I'd be very surprised. Totally bollocked and cunted, basically. A lot of the summer tours go ahead. Um, Obviously, there's only one match in the fucking Super Saturday on Six Nations this weekend. Yep. Um, Most of the French top 14 is going to be played behind closed doors for the next month, at least. All football Um, in Spain is, isn't it? Liverpool are playing tonight and in front of a big crowd, and then they go back to Atletico next week to an empty stadium. Yeah, uh, as we speak, Dortmund and Paris Saint-Germain are playing in front of an empty stadium, um, which have you, have, you, have you watched any of the behind-closed-doors football that's been on in Italy? No, but I did it's... watch when England played Croatia behind closed doors because and it was like watching like a, 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 an 11-a-side game at the AstroTurf around the back of your It's exactly goal. like that. I was, I was watching fucking Juventus into Milan on Sunday or Saturday. I can't remember which one it was. And, you know, biggest fucking game in Italy. And it was legitimately like watching fucking five-a-side down the Michael Sobel Sports Centre. <laughs> it was like you could hear everything. A substitute got booked for swearing at the ref because the, the ref actually fucking heard him for the first time I wonder ever. what the Italian is. I'm sorry for the bad language you may have just heard on the microphone, but they must have been saying <laughs> that a that lot. Is the thing we, that is the thing that football is going to have to fucking reckon with itself with in Britain pretty fucking quick because those touchline mics will pick some shit up. Um... Yeah, so basically, who knows what we're going to be talking about on this podcast over the next few months, because I don't think anything's going to go ahead at this rate. I can't wait to try and fill out all these episodes. It's going to be fantastic. So. Yeah, we're just going to fucking crack on. So loads of shit's been called off. What else has been happening around the world before we get to the other stuff? So Saracen's uh, England hooker Singleton has joined Gloucester. On yes, loan he has. For next season, to, following this trend that's happening now, where no, we're not leaving the club. We're just fucking off somewhere else while they're down in the shit. Yeah, which you know, it is kind of it's probably better for Saris that way than them actually going forever. But you know, yeah, it's still for me. I. Th- <laughs> I don't. I was chatting to my Bristol supporting mate at the Bristol Harlequins game on the weekend, and he was sort of slightly sniffy about Ben Earl and Max Mannings coming in about how that would affect the team environment. I'm like, do you honestly think that Pat Lamb's just bringing these guys in to do Saracens a favour? <laughs> it's like <laughs> he's coming in and he's going to go. Look how nice our culture is. Look how nice our new training facility is. Wouldn't you like to come here instead forever when your contract is up? And yeah, yeah. it's quite it's savvy stuff. Northampton have signed Gordon Reid because Alex yes. Waller's injured. Uh, he's always got value, Gordon Reid, actually. Yeah. Well, he's currently playing in, like, fucking in the Scottish club level, isn't he? I don't know. I haven't he's read dual, that much. He's dual registered with Glasgow and somebody in the whatever the second tier is in Scotland. Um, which, to be honest with you, I'd have thought that he would be still playing at a relatively decent level. I so. think so, yeah. Mm. Chris Ashton's gone. Turns out it's yeah. the right shitstorm as well, the reason why he's gone. Yeah. Because apparently he was somebody got wind of him chatting with Harlequins for a long time and then got very pissed off and booted him out pretty quick. Said, fuck off now I mean, then, if you're talking to them. When you bastards. say somebody. Yeah, I don't know what I'm talking about, don't we? <laughs> I, don't know, I, don't know, I, don't know, yeah. I bet Mike um, Forshaw heard it and then grassed him up. 
<laughs> looks a bit of a grassley Mike Paul sure. he does um, uh, Blaine Scully USA international uh, and captain and former Cardiff Blues and Leicester Tigers winger has retired um, and his first act after retiring weirdly was to follow me on Twitter so uh, really yeah, yeah. <laughs> I literally read the news and then I just got Blaine Scully has now followed you I was like this is weird has he been waiting all this time just to sort of validate <laughs> yeah, now I've my, retired. My, my I can join in with Josh's rugby misery. Controversial opinions. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yes, I'm now unleashed. <laughs> I have no endorsement, so he's on the pod next week. I won't be bringing anybody to disrepute. <laughs> um, Jake Balls going to need shoulder surgery, which absolutely nobody who saw him looking absolutely fucking <laughs> fucked on Saturday is shocked by. He came off um, like he was turned to ribbons. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, speedy recovery to him. And very sad news: Hroon uh, Williams, um, Cardiff Blues fullback. Uh, yeah, he signed for, from RGC, player. wasn't he? Uh, yes, uh, forced to retire at the age of twenty-two, which is fucking shit. To be, uh, he, he injured his, he got nerve damage in his neck two years ago playing for the Blues against Zebra. And, Who else uh, to retire with nerve damage relatively recently? I don't know. It was an Australian. Oh, can't that? remember. Anyway, lots of people will be shouting at their radio now, like I do sometimes. Yeah, almost certainly they are. I can't remember who it was. But I yeah, really sad news. He's such a talented player. He, used to, he was fantastic for the under-20s. And uh, it looked like he was going to be a serious player for the Blues. Yes, he did. Are we both Googling now? Nerve damage, Australian player. <laughs> I know I am. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Horn, it was. Rob Horn ah, actually retired. Was. Yes, yeah, yeah. Of course it was. I was right about his, his position and his nationality. I just couldn't think of his name. Um, yeah, so there you go. What other news have we got? So, Ospreys have signed Bryn Davis from Bath. Yes. Reese yeah. Davis, sorry. Cont- other Welsh names the, uh, are available. Continuing, continuing the Ospreys' uh, current policy, which appears to be uh, re-signing young players that got poached by English public schools a couple of years ago from their own academy, um, following with Matt Prodler and uh, what's-his-face, Gareth Evans, the prop. It says here, Davis uh, was a product of the Ospreys' academy system but left Wales at 16 to attend Millfield School. Of course he did. Uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> Matt Prodler was a product of the Ospreys' academy <laughs> until he left Wales at the age of 16 to attend Hartbury College. <laughs> Etc. 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 It's just all about giving these kids opportunities. That's all it is. Yeah. I don't know what's making me think of this, but are you watching MasterChef this series? I'm not actually. No. I'm torturing myself by watching it because I can't cook anything, obviously. And uh, there was the lad on it last week, and he was the most. He was the most middle-aged valley's man I've ever seen in my life. He had, Glorious. He was bald. Yeah. And he's like probably early fifties. Yeah. He had a polo shirt on, grey, yeah, but yeah. it had a zip rather than buttons. And he That's just good. and he and he was just like waxing away about what he was cooking. And it was just I don't know why, it was just a perfect encapsulation <laughs> of like Valley's plasterer <laughs> likes to do a bit of cooking. It just made me laugh. It's the polo shirt with a zip that is just a glorious little detail, but is so accurate. Just wonderful stuff. It is though, isn't it? Yeah. He was in the ingredients test where they opened the box up and they had like crab and he was, you could see he thought, yeah. what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> he was like, I had it all planned yesterday, I did, but now ooh, I've, 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 I've been shaking a bit with this crab. I have. He was like, 
like, you are fucking ace. I want you as a waiter. Okay, what you cook? <laughs> I made crab and chips, I have. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, anyway. Yeah. Sorry, what were we talking about? Right, news. Yeah. Now, Joe Marler's been cited. Yeah, I mean, we might as well just fucking talk about this Should now. Should we talk about the Joe Marler thing? Because, you know, he blew yeah. up a bit, didn't it? Didn't it blow up a well, bit? Yeah, Joe Marler, right, is a fucking tragic figure. Right. And, like, Interesting start. Go on. I thought Sam, I thought Sam Roberts uh, wrote a really interesting piece about this. Uh, I, did, I did read Monday. that, yes. He does have interesting yeah. views, Sam, yeah. Yeah, like basically sort of saying that, you know, the same thing that makes Joe Marler sort of a cult hero is the same thing that's ultimately caused his downfall, which is, you know, trying to be funny. And I think there is some truth to that. I think he overworked it a bit, Sam. I think I, I agree. But like, I do think that, like, he does suffer from that most sort of awkward of comic diseases where you resort to shock value in the pursuit of getting a rise out of somebody. Like... Because he's he's not just trying to be funny. I don't think he's trying. He's a fucking wind up merchant, is what he is. Yeah, and that's that that sometimes that means that he's also funny off the field because he is. And he is funny. But yeah. he's a funny. And he's bloke, not genuinely yeah. legitimately funny. The horse thing is genuinely eleven. And that bit when he walks out when he walks out the tunnel and deliberately walked across his opposite number as they were walking out of the tunnels. You remember yeah. that? And like leading Gen- to that yeah. was genuinely funny. Yeah. Yeah. And, but he is a, you know, his whole thing is in, when he's on the rugby field is he is trying to wind people up and, you know, that's somewhere arguing like, trying to build a brand for himself as well. He likes the attention well, that this brings. Possibly. Yeah. But you know, as we saw with the Samson Lee thing a few years ago, and obviously we saw on Saturday afternoon with the legendary cock tap, you know, it's, you know, he takes it too far and he goes too far in the pursuit of trying to do that. And I don't think anybody in their right mind, now that the heat of the moment has passed, thinks that he has any sort of malicious intent beyond trying to wind him up. Yes. You know. And I've said this at the time. I, I think he was out of order. And I said at the time, the thing is, it, you find this a lot of, in a lot of situations in rugby where because loads of people who've played rugby for years and know rugby go, oh, that used to happen all the time. And I yeah. and ergo, I was part of that. I didn't have a problem. So ergo, it can't be a bad oh, thing. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. It's like I understand what people are saying when they're saying it's part of the game because niggling your opposition into doing something fucking stupid is a treasured dark art of this sport. And every single one of us, if you played in the pack especially, found yourself at the bottom of a rook and somebody would grab for your something. gentleman's area. Yeah, yeah. It would happen. Yeah. Yeah. But it was like, out of order, but it know, would happen. So that's why everyone who yeah. saw it was a bit like, "Oh, okay." And that's the thing you can't like, but you can't do that. You can't do yeah. that at all, obviously. But to do it on that stage in front of the cameras so blatantly, like once again, he's sort of the fall guy for this sort of weird collision of what rugby, as you say, like what rugby people deem as oh, just part of the game. It's just happened, you know. It always used to happen, whatever, you know. It's part of the sport. And what society and the wider world deems acceptable. And on Six Nations Day, of course, is much more of the wider world of society well, watch. It, exactly. Games. Like, I don't think Joey's a bad guy. I do think he's got very little filter and little self-control, but I don't think he can have too many complaints, to be honest, regardless of his intent. And fuck me, we hear the word intent a lot on Saturday night for various things that happened in that game. But, like, 
there's no excuse for what he did. Like, remember fucking, uh, what's his face? John uh, Helpawate, the NRL guy. He stuck his finger up somebody's bum, yes. Yeah, several people's bums, in fact. That was 19 years ago. That was 2001. Yes. Like, there was a second rower who played for Australia called Bradley Clyde. And there mm. was a story goes that he, yeah. <laughs> when they were play, playing against Great Britain, um, and he said to the Twitch side, he said, mate, you're going to have to take me off. And he said, and he said why? He said, Gary Schofield just stuck his finger up my ass. <laughs> Gary Schofield <laughs> played standoff for Leeds. <laughs> yeah. But that sort of thing, like, you know, if 19 years ago, this entire sporting world was rightly appalled at that, as of why they got his fucking contract torn up, you know, Marla's offence is nowhere near as serious as that, obviously. But, like... If, you know, rugby, as we, you know, bore on about a lot, claims to hold itself to some sort of higher standard in sport. Like, here's what it is, my, here's my really, right? Um, yeah. And it all, to me, it hinges on the word consent. And I don't mean consent in the kind of me too way and anything like that. And, and, I'm, and I don't believe it. it's difficult to talk about sexual assault. I'll part that for a minute. What I will mm. say is, is that when you enter the field of play, no matter where you what level you play at, there are certain things that you consent to in rugby that you would never consent to in any normal walk yeah. of life. You consent to being thrown on the floor violently, repeatedly. Yeah. You consent to being stood on a bit. You consent yeah. to being you consent to a bit of pushing and shoving. You consent in a way you almost consent to maybe getting a bit of a getting a bit of a thump. Um, yeah. people should be done for it, but you know it's gonna happen. But what you don't do if there are certain things you never consent to when you go on the field. One is being spat at. One of is being bitten. Yeah. Being gouged. tripped up weirdly, which doesn't seem, it seems fairly innocuous, but it is like it's a big <laughs> yeah. no-no. You know, you don't consent to being tripped up. And you don't consent to having your testicular area yeah. touched, stroked, gripped, yeah. twisted, or any, anything any between the waistband and hem of the shorts is not really it's a, not a go area. No. So, and I think that's and that's where, even though a lot of rude people say it happens, yes, it does happen, but in no way do you give your consent as a player at any level for that happening. And that's why it's wrong, and no. that's why he's going to get banned. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have any truck for people who are like, oh, if he did this in any other workplace, he'd be in court. Well, yeah. But as you say, you, there are certain compromises that you sort of make when you step onto a rugby field that I mean it's not like a normal workplace but at the same time this is not some, the amateur era anymore yeah, this some, is not the era where anything goes this some, is a different world now some people have to go Alan Wynne Jones for his what they're perceiving as a bit of a precious response from him um, fuck me that pissed me off yeah but, um, but and I, but I think more than anything he was actually quite measured what I did like is when you watch the full interview and the journalist says to him, well, something happened there, didn't he? He goes, well, can you be more specific? And he goes, well, there was a bit of contact, wasn't he? he says, and he says again, well, do you want to be more specific? And I did like the way that he made the journalist actually say I what happened. His repeated sort of scalpel-esque use of the words, can you be more, the words, yeah. can you be more specific, about three or four times. <laughs> it, was, it was brilliant, yeah. In, in the process, reducing an entire room of journalists who were basically fucking... <laughs> Giggling and sniggering like schoolboys into like being chastened like fuck, and <laughs> yeah. it was wonderful. But anyway, and I, I think he dealt, he basically said, well, if he cut through what he said, what he says was, if you're not telling me it's okay to chin fuckers who do this to me anymore, yeah, that's fine. But I expect you to deal with it then. And yeah. you've got basically footage on social media within five seconds of it happening, and yet nobody in the game could deal with it. But I'm not allowed to do yeah. anything because I'll get sent off. 
And it's and I think yeah. he's got a point. If you're going to take self policing out of it, which is right, because then it becomes madness. I think. Um, then you've got to police it properly another way, haven't you? Well, you say this, but like, I, nobody wants to see the old days, days of frontier justice, right? But I do think there's something fundamentally unjust about players doing really nasty shit and over-the-line shit and getting away with it. But then if a player gets provoked into doing something and get binned or worse as a result, like, why shouldn't Alan Wynn have been able to fucking put one on Marla for that? You know, Less, I, I know what you mean, because part of me thinks if somebody spits at you directly in the face on a rugby field, <laughs> you fucking... are quite right to do about a 15-punch combination on them because it is just yeah. fucking completely and out you know, of order. You know, if it had transpired that Nick Hayden had put his hands near Howis's eyes, then, I mean, it still doesn't make any sense for him to punch Jamie Ritchie several minutes later. Okay, forget I said anything about that. Can you, can you but, please uh... do the Eddie Butler pronunciation of that prop's name, please? Um but seriously, I genuinely think like there should be like consideration given for provocation when dealing with this stuff with the TMO or citing. So like if you do something in retaliation for blatant shithousery, the sanction just gets dropped by one level. Yes. So if you punch someone, red card offence normally, yes. But he did spit at me, right? If they, if oh, they okay. were fucking asking for it, yellow card. <laughs> yes. And you know, and if it's a yellow, you get downgraded to a pen and a talking to. And if it's a pen, you get a pat on the back for showing such remarkable restraint. Ref, I call the reasonable force used on a cunt defence. <laughs> exactly. Fair enough, mate. Yeah. Yep. Not a court in the land. You know, it's... But yeah, I think the reaction to Alan Wynn is, is, you know, and obviously I have some bias there, but I genuinely think it's showed a really fucking unpleasant side of a lot of... A former rugby players that they think, you know, particularly given that he went to, was at pains to point out in that, that he liked Marler and thought he, he was Joe, a good guy. A good bloke, yeah. But however, what's that? What that, I did like was that people that going, was yeah, but you don't understand, they went on a Lions tour together, so therefore obviously they're just forever grabbing at each other's fucking winkles, aren't they? Four years later nearly. Oh, fuck me, what the hell was <laughs> fucking John Kerwin on about? I've not seen that. Just, what? He, he said, it's something that I would do to a really good mate of mine. It's like a pat on the behind or something, was what he said about it. There's a big the... thing about Exeter doing it, isn't it? They're forever like, touching each other's knobs all the time. It's like, well, all right, but at least they're teammates, which is part of what they do. But then again, I think that's dodgy, because actually if you come into that and you think, I really don't like fucking people touching me cock, thanks, but I'll, I'm going to be completely fucking ostracised. If I say that, so I'm gonna to have to just yeah. put up with it, you know. It's yeah, exactly. Just because you've been fucking institutionalized into this, <laughs> yes. Like so, yeah. There was a bizarre thing with with Kane Hames and and John Kerwin on on Sky Sports in New Zealand, where Hames said in, uh, about Alan Wynn, he needs to grab his own balls, pick them up, and stick up for his mate here because it's his mate that he's talking about, and there's a special relationship there. I definitely think it is. Alan can stop his mate from getting banned. Why? Hey. <laughs> Who knows if they're mates? Hey, I'm not your fucking mate. One, two, <laughs> you shouldn't be touching me cock, yeah. And then Kerwin was like, when I first saw it, I thought they'd obviously room together with the lions or something because they're mates. Why is it? Why is this cock touch? Why is there so somehow... many inferences being drawn that when you go to lion's tour, all you're doing is grabbing each other's fucking cock for sorry, a month and a half when you come the, home? Why is, the, why is the cock tap sort of... And I don't wish to cast aspersions here, New Zealand listeners, but why uh, uh, is the New Zealand rugby fraternity seemingly sort of so convinced that the cock tap is sort of a real symbol of a potent friendship 
Like, I don't yeah. understand that. I mean, obviously, <laughs> what they're basically saying is a line so is like a six-week-long game of Soggy Biscuit, basically, and everyone just sits around. Anyway, let's yeah. not talking. Yeah. A gigantic circle what I, jerk what I is did what like, they do. What, yeah. I did, what I did like about that weird fucking New Zealand thing was basically Jeff Wilson was in there just being the only sane man in the room and <laughs> yeah. losing his mind. You, you just needed just Jeff going. Wilson. I had a sensible haircut in the 90s, lads. Let me bring some sense <laughs> to this conversation before I lost all my hair. Keep your hands to yourself. It's a game of footy. Quite right, Jeff. <laughs> there is never any need to do it, yeah. Anyway, so at the end of all that, he's been cited. It's a 12-week uh, entry thing. Now, entry obviously, level. that can often... If, it, if they deem it to be entry level, it's 12 weeks at least, they can obviously half that if he comes in and is contrite and stuff. But I think... I don't know. He's, he's, <laughs> His record does not does no, not really... But he doesn't, he's, never, he's never been done for, for this particular offence before, <laughs> has he? But I suppose they could say this. Yeah. His disciplinary record is not good, <laughs> let's no. be honest. So, um, which... Even Dylan Hartley stopped getting fucking half off for turning up with the right biscuits by the end of his career. So Marler's got to be in line for that as well. He has, yeah. So I reckon it's probably, well, it could be, well, the way the season's going, this could be the end of this season and a bit this of the next season. This could be the end of this season full stop. Who knows? Um, That's interesting. But yeah. If he gets banned for 12 weeks and then the season is cancelled, is his ban put on pause till the season starts again? I reckon well, it must be, because it is games, about, not weeks, you know, isn't it? These three players that England have had cited, Courtney Laws for the blatant red card that should have been on Anna Wynne-Jones, um, Marla for the cock thing, and Tuolagi for the actual red card. Like, by the time that game is played, the the next game mm. in the Six Nations, all of the... Unless Joe Marla gets banned for infinity weeks, like... <laughs> it can be up to four years, will, so you never know. Yeah. All of those players will be back. And it did make me sort of think, rugby's kind of weirdly, rugby's thing on discipline just weirdly kind of punishes people that don't deserve to be punished, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's like, I think because bans happen so much more frequently in rugby than they do in other sports. But yeah, it's it just seems kind of unfair to Italy that they should be having to play England next week without Laws to Alagi or Marla. And when they play them in fucking October or whatever, everyone's they'll all absolutely be back. <laughs> and England will win the Six Nations. Um, yeah. Assuming we're not all living in a post-apocalyptic wasteland by then, of course. that's Yeah, well, as long as I've got my bog roll, I don't care. <laughs> that was the B-side to that stereophonic song about the English, wasn't it? Um, yes. So... Have you got a one-for-all gift card that you've yet to spend? Treat yourself at any of the 11,000 one-for-all retail partners nationwide before December 31st and you could win €10,000 in cash. When you spend your gift card, simply visit oneforall.ie forward slash win and you'll be in with a chance of winning. Terms and conditions apply. One for all. Proud to support Irish businesses. The One for All gift card is issued by GVS Prepaid Europe Limited. GVS Prepaid Europe Limited is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Oh no, is it everywhere? No, sure, stay and sort that out. We can have dinner another time. Amazing. Whether it's cancelled plans... Ah, get in the kitchen and calm down. ...or the need for a quick, convenient distraction. Introducing Goodfellas Mini Pizzas. Four mini pizzas made with respect that cook in 11 minutes. Goodfellas Minis. Embrace the unexpected. Speaking of which, should we talk about the weekend? Absolutely. The yeah, we probably should, on. shouldn't we? Yeah. Saturday then? Yeah. 
England played Wales. Um, yeah, Wales. Did it go are... the way you thought it was going to be? Well, Wales are exactly what I thought they were, um, and the game went exactly as I thought it would, but just until about the last ten minutes when stupid stuff happened. Yes. Basically. Was it a flattering scoreline much... is the question that keeps coming up? Massively, yeah. England were much the better team. First 20 minutes, England were pretty fucking ridiculous, actually. I thought this could go bad. But, uh... Yeah. And they probably should have. It was only really England's own slightly not being nearly as precise and efficient as they had been the week before that meant that they didn't go into half time with a 15, 20-point lead. But, uh, yeah, it was a... In the lead-up to the game, right, because I, I hate, hate myself apparently, I went back and I watched Wales' first three games again. Did you? Well. Because people have been so fucking, like... Did you start to doubt yourself, Josh? The opinion, Were you doubting yourself? The opinion on Wales, the opinion on Wales is so... Po- like, on, on Pivax Wales, is so fucking polarised and so, like, you know... People are so heavily in one camp or the other. It did make me think, you know, am I might just be fucking over the top because it's it's not gap anymore, and am I just having a sort of, you know, reflex reaction of I don't like this because things are changing. It does reflect everybody. See, <clears throat> sometimes you give me two weeks off, I've got fuck all else to do. You know, so uh, <laughs> not even any Ospreys games to get angry about. But um, yeah, yeah. And I was watching, and you can see what they are trying to do on attack. And if it were, and I honestly think that there might come a moment where it where it clicks, and they'll be unplayable when they do on that day. Hmm. But, and we saw a bit of that on Saturday. To be fair, you know, that that first tipper try was one of the oh. best tries Wales have scored in years. Ridiculous! You know, one of the best tries anyone scored in years. It was phenomenal. Do you know this is a kind of like my damage user two type problem, right? But when a uh-huh. trial like that happens live and you think, uh-huh. how the fuck am I going to explain this to people? Because I was doing it. <laughs> yeah, That was so yeah. fucking glorious and I know how it makes me feel. <laughs> how do I describe it and yeah. also to give the emotion about it across <laughs> to people in the probably 90 seconds I've got between it being yeah. scored and the conversion being taken? Wales have just scored a fucking worldie. Um <laughs> Yes, I think I said something like, my word, now this is a try, full stop, sort of thing, and then carried on. But uh... Yeah, it was it was epic, and it was pure fucking scarlets. But I, I do, I, and, but I have questions, and the rest of the game kind of bore, bore it out for me. It was like, the pace and intensity of test rugby and how aggressive defences are at test level, combined with the, the high skill levels and general risk involved in, in executing that kind of thing. I just don't, I think it's the only, only ever a sort of, thing that's going to catch fire in drips and drabs. And I just can't, like, and combined... I think combined the issue is... The, like... the fucking defence is appalling. You know, it's so bad, and it's so narrow. To talk, I just to I can't see it the, being successful. Talk about where's the tackle first, for a minute. I think there's... The issue is, is that it requires such precision and practice, I think, that it, and it, it's so hard to do in these blitz defence days... That I kind of agree about. Do you remember there's um Green Bay Packers in NFL famously had an incredibly complex mm-hmm. offense for years, didn't they? And like and and yes, it took did. any quarterback fucking years to learn it because it was just so yeah. complex. And that's why and I keep coming back to that thinking with Wales, I think there probably is a little bit of 
it's going to take time because of the precision and complexity of it. That's the attack. And and, yeah. and, and there's forever the high risk factor of it. The defence is an entirely different thing altogether. That, that just looks to me to be fundamentally wrong. And they need to actually... The attack, I'm, yeah. I'm less worried about. I also watched, think that... I've from... watched so many tries over the long... <laughs> In watching Wales back and then watching Wales on Saturday, it was fucking groundhog day. The number of times that somebody got an easy fucking run in out wide or got an easy fucking loads of metres of gain out wide because the full back and the winger have basically a full half of the field to defend on their own is fucking bananas. And George Norkel a lot of bit of shit for, for over committing, didn't he, on the first, I think it was the second did, try, but... was it? But as you say, when you've got, you have to make a decision when you've got that much pitch yeah haven't you it was him and halfpenny and there wasn't another fucking player within 20 yards of them because and the thing and, is it's like that that george ford playing so well what was notable about two of england's <laughs> tried that though was scored in the corner was george ford arriving late in an outside yeah. channel and fast hands bang bang in and out woof and it just completely took that narrow defense completely just went out the window because yeah. it's there's just no tailor-made for somebody no like george, george ford playing well yeah. It's, it's just tailor made for me. And there's a lot of fucking tens in world rugby that can play on the that can play that sort of yes. game and that fast. And it's it's like it's a suicidally flawed flawed system. And particularly it's particularly bad at set piece because for whatever reason, if Wales have to defend a set piece, they get even narrower. Which seems fucking bananas to me. But it and you can see it on on the um, the first England try. They were so narrow and so con- sort of obsessed with stopping that mall that, you know, the entire fucking team, except for the outside centre, the 12, George North and Lee Halfpenny, were fucking basically within about 10 yards of the fucking mall. And it's like, that's that's piss easy mm. for any grown-up attack. Didn't even have, have to be grown-up to fucking fly off with his head on straight. It was... <laughs> and yeah, so they looked... And that's the, you know, Wales are going to have to score 30 points a game to offset that defence and that fucking terrible fucking set piece now. And that's that's the thing that I don't think they'll be able to do with any kind of consistency because, as you say, I just think it's it's so complicated and it's so high high risk and high skill. And, like, and the worrying thing is that when it... You know, England are f- were fucking very good on defence again mm-hmm. on the weekend. They were super fucking aggressive, but like Wales looked totally devoid of penetration when they were attacking any kind of or- organised defence. Like it was so easy for that sort of for uh, the blitzer to shoot out into thirteen in the thirteen channel and just totally disrupt disrupt everything because it was just side to side back and forth and. And they only really look dangerous in broken broken play, but that's great. But everybody looks fucking dangerous in broken play, you know. It's not hard. So yeah, so that was Wales. West. I mean, England won the game, obviously. Um, yeah, and looked, you know, I don't think they looked as good as they did against Ireland, but they looked again very efficient, very professional, very organised. You know, when they get of, that blitzing tackle line working, it's just so hard. To play against them, I mean, yeah, he, yeah. You know, Wales showed you how you can play against them, I suppose, by going for fucking eighty meters or waiting until they get a bit tired at the end. But the uh, the 
the thing for me with England is that they they defended very well. They take points quite cleverly, that positive wise. They kept the scoreboard ticking over. George no, George Ford is playing so fucking well. Honestly, it's really hard like, to. I think it, and, and not not getting a lot of rave reviews about it. Really, he is playing so. Nobody's well. talking about how good he's playing, and he's probably playing. You know, he's probably playing as the best ten in the northern in the northern hemisphere at the moment. That's bit not beat around the bush. Yeah. Quite comfortable by some distance. He's seen more into Mac, you know. Yes, and he's and but then the negative side is is when the pressure did come on at the end, the Wales uh, English discipline went again. A lot of penalties given away. It went and it went in a way that it didn't didn't go quite as badly. You know, it went much worse than it went against Ireland in terms of their discipline because mm. they were just giving away pens for fun, and they didn't seem to have any real impetus or way to sort of control that because there was that really telling moment where the ref said to Owen Farrell, you know, one more, or and someone's going to the bin when yes. Wales had that series of penalties on the line quite late on. And he was like, you know, take fifth, you know, take a few seconds, go and talk to your players. And Farrell went and talked to his players, and literally the first ruck after the the line out, um, Genge, yes, just dived in at the side and conceded a penalty. And it's like that level of sort of that lack of discipline is a bit weird, yes, <laughs> and kind of alarming because it's like you've won the game, guys. Just fucking let them score at that point, you know. And of course, what, there was a big they red card in the about. middle of it all. But, um... Yeah, it's like if, 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 if England had just let Wales score a second try there instead of trying to, I don't know what the fuck, you know, committing stupid penalties and these and trying to sort of suicidally fucking, you know, I get the way defence works. They don't want to fucking concede lots of points, mm. obviously. But this, this being sensible about it, that game was fucking won. They were home and hosed. They were 33-10 up or whatever. Yes. <laughs> you know, and that game could have finished 33-14 and it would have been, you know, a batter as much of a battering on paper as it was in reality. And instead they kind of let their heads go and they allowed Wales to fucking fucking bring it to 33-30, which, you know, if not for you know, a couple of stupid penalties Wales had given away that gave Owen Farrell easy kicks earlier on in the game, they could have lost could have lost that. Mm. Just through sheer silliness. The um the, the, the Tualangi red card, I think we can deal with this quite quickly. It was massively a red card, and I don't know why people are even having a discussion yeah. about it. <laughs> the number yeah. of times you find don't yourself, that, yeah. are we still having that situation where you sort of say, look, because just because you don't want it to be doesn't mean that it isn't. How are we yeah. two years on and, and, and we're still having this discussion that I don't like that that's a red card now? <laughs> yeah, all right, fine. Noted, oh, it is one. Um, I don't like that I can't get into the jeans I wore when I was 18. <laughs> you know, yeah. we live in an imperfect universe. I don't want that to be a red card. Noted Lawrence Delalio, but shut the fuck <laughs> up and actually read the protocol, will you? He was abysmal. Like, the whole game he was atrocious, but particularly in that last 10 minutes where you could feel like he could see that England's wheels were coming off. <laughs> yes. He absolutely lost his faculties. And just... And just became basically just morphed into a barber jacket wearing fucking twat in the stands, just <laughs> hollering at the ref. Yes. But from a commentary wow. position. A sh- well, to be fair, he did refrain from saying it was a shame about uh, did, about two about. being sent off. Just about. I always say, don't like as much intent there to me. It's got nothing to do with yeah, intent, yeah. Lawrence. What the fuck? <laughs> 
And it was just after that that he, he said about when Aldrich did that carry and he, and he called them all and gave the scrum to France. Oh, sorry. Man, my Aldrich, wrong fucking game. The game oh, yeah. was... <laughs> Navidi picked it up. Yes, when, he... when Curry gave... And yeah, and he got held up in a mall, as yeah. you do, and... And yeah. he lost his lost his fucking shit yeah. about something well, that happened. It's, it's really snippy as well. He went, up, well, the referee's yeah. turned that into a mall somehow. Well, there you go. <laughs> it's just that, oh, my God. <laughs> you literally... I'll tell you what turned it into a mall, Lawrence. The fact that his knee ever fucking touched the floor. But he was still held up and he was wrapped up. He was still held up, yeah. yeah. Call it whatever you want, yeah. Yeah. Thin. So Wales um, go on yeah. to Scotland now, don't they? Yeah, we actually have a. I, I get a. Unfortunately, fucking, you are getting. You, you get to complete your tournament. Yeah, they'll get the full portion of Six Nations misery <laughs> doled out in one helping, which you know I'm fucking delighted about. Um, I mean, we'll the talk Six about Nations is, isn't it? You know, it's fucked. We well, we're not going to mouth know... it over again, isn't it? They end up. It's all going to be played in mouth, October, it's November. Worse because there's there's more games that need playing and less time to play them in, and. I just don't know. Like England are absolutely, you know, England have absolutely put themselves in pole position to win the Six Nations now, thanks to France shit in the bed against Scotland. And you know, everybody, and even Ireland could win the Six Nations now, which I mean is interesting. But what mm. I don't want to have to do is wait six months to find out. If this was super, you know, if we were going into Super Saturday like this, happy days. It'd be great, wouldn't it? Yeah. But, yeah. Like, was it 2015, that, <laughs> that insane we... fucking Super Saturday year? That was 2015. Oh, was that yeah, 2015? Where Wales, where Wales were winning the Six Nations for one game and then Ireland were winning yeah. it and then England, England finally won it. Yeah. Scotland, you had one fucking... job. Don't be fucking yeah. shit and you failed. <laughs> However, they definitely failed. They definitely passed that test with flying colours this week. So shall we go on to uh, Absolutely. talk about yes. Scotland, France? I wasn't... Um, my, all my build-up to this, and I was writing me kind of preamble, was around sort of saying that Scotland will want to kind of change the narrative a bit about the general malaise that there is around the camp at the minute. I think I was looking back at hindsight season, I was probably overstating that anyway. I think the issue was is that they, they should have won that game against Ireland it looked like the same mistakes were happening all the time in terms of just fucking up their own attack. Yeah. The England game was played in a borderline unplayable tempest. So it's hard to actually... And, and there's a question mark around, well, were you just not up for it enough? Which is not, not very fair, but that, that, that was a question that's out there. And then there was that Italy game, yeah. which was fucking awful. But they did nil them, I suppose. So I think if, yeah. if, if I'd looked at it from a glass half full point of view, you could have said, well, actually, things are maybe going the right... Di-, without Finn Russell as well, by the way. So things are probably going in the right direction. I was really. going to say... As- has Finn taken credit for this yet? Because, or has anyone given Finn credit for this? Because I'm just saying, he came back Finn to coach, the fold, yeah. spends a week or so game planning with Gregor to beat France and Scotland, come out with a perfect blend of physicality and tactical nous to frust- frustrate France into imploding. Coincidence? I think not. I mean, yeah, it is probably, but yeah. I mean, people will put, will point to the fact that France were without, you know, players for a while in this well, game. I think there was a. There was always going to be a moment where France took a step back because, I mean, they've been a revelation this tournament, obviously. And of the Edwards defence and, you know, the fact that they've finally given this fucking athletic, exciting crop of young players a go. But there was always going to be a moment where one way or another they were going to fuck up because they're too young and inexperienced not to in yeah. some way. You don't just get experienced, like, the good experience all the time, do you? You have to get experience no, in every flavour to become a good team. Yeah, and as it happened, it was just a bit of a perfect storm of everything going wrong for them in this game. Because not only do you lose your only sane, sane fly off early doors, 
but then your young prop loses his mind at Jamie Ritchie's shithouse and gets himself sent off. And then you put yourself in a position where the the thing that you need is sensible, controlled, tactical play from the outside off position. And what you've got is a bleach blonde, excitable teenage boy who's had too many skittles playing at standoff. <laughs> Trying and, to do it in a fucking pissing rain from about minute 60 onwards. Yeah. Yeah. And also your young, you know, best scrum off in the world has probably his worst game as a fucking, fucking international. Yeah. And it it was just a put for, and then it all fell apart from there. You know, the defense fell apart, the organization fell apart. You know, players that haven't made barely any mistakes for the first three weeks, like Aldridge, just started making fucking stupid mistakes and knocking the ball on. And Francois yeah, it just reveals what we probably all suspected was completely shit. Yeah, you know these things start like, happening. But I don't have to yeah, say we, actually, we even with all of that, it though, didn't we? A lot of people sort of said, "Ah, yeah," but it's because you know. Um, you know, France fell apart or whatever, or because of the, the 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 red cards and stuff. But actually, even with that, I think Scotland had their fucking number this day today. Yeah, they I think had, it was that a really, fucking really good, had their really number, smart really smart game plan, really smart. And actually, that we 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 said, I took some, we took some, I took some heat actually from a message once saying about how we were being awful about Finn Russell and about Plant B. But actually, that, when we used to say Scotland did a different way of playing, that was exactly what really everyone's been talking about, isn't it? Yeah, you build the defence, you, know, you make sensible decisions, Fran- and you and you frustrate your opposition basically. Yeah, and like I think in many ways, France aren't the team that people have been making them out to be. Like, not necessarily saying us or even people in the know, but like you know, people have there's been this sort of basic sort of vibe that the France that we be are like, you know, Sean Edwards melding fucking good old Wigan steel into the free flowing French attack of yore, but that's not what they've done done at all in this six nations you look at like the tries that they've scored they got where they are through being unbelievably opportunistic and sometimes you know some of those tries in the england game and the wales games were just fucking absolute blind luck and the bounce of a ball or sometimes the bounce of the ball off somebody but what they, did they, they had, they had some shape that was putting them into those positions wasn't it? you know and exactly was it was a, was a and, and, and a point were giving them a shape to create the yeah. places for those things well, it's, to happen. It's, it's super gatlandy you know as i said yes. for the wales game you know it's the way their whole game plan is based around defense effective tactical nous and opportunism you know but that does mean they're not much for chasing a game and, you know, when you bring, you know, look how much they've kicked in this tournament and look how much they've kicked deep. Like, that's not a good plan if you're down to 14 against the best counter-attacking fullback on the planet. And it did show, you know, they, they're far from a finished article. They've got a soft underbelly when things don't go right, as we've seen against England, we saw against Italy, you know. They are, I, what grates me is people going, oh, same old France, back to normal, no, back to being no, mental. No, that's not, no. That's it's like, no, they are... They had a bad fucking day, but this is not the France of you. And they were outplayed. They were definitely actually. a young team. Yeah, they were. They didn't, compl- they were, a, they, they didn't um, have a complete mental breakdown and throw the game away. They were just outplayed. That's okay. Yeah, that they just they 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 got themselves in a hole and they didn't have the nous to dig themselves out of it. Yeah. And they, they came up against a team that was better on the day and had a better game plan. And from a Scotland point of view, you know, how, as you say, how many times have we said that they need to find some fucking bastards? Yes, and in and get that edge and that you know they've got loads of good players, but they need a few absolute pricks to really elevate them to being a good team. But in Richie Watson and Haining, I think that's a good platform. Like that's a perfect Cummings platform. As well. I think Cummings has made a hell of a difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On that front row, actually. 
that's the thing yeah and you, and you look through that pack and you just think yeah there's loads of pricks in that pack now and that's exactly what you want you want people that are fucking niggly and horrible and like even before the red Scotland's physicality scores so many problems for France it was fucking niggle par excellence to rub it in a bit for our French listeners listeners um you know, it was they weren't smashing them in the way that England had tried to in Paris. It was more just like they were frustrating them at every turn and every breakdown was just a fucking nightmare. And it just threw off the rhythm of everything that they were trying to do. And then obviously Jalivert came on, who was basically playing position, uh, positional free jazz in a back line that was used to doing the waltz. He did some, <laughs> he did some then, wonderful stuff, though. <laughs> He did, he did some fucking mad stuff, but some of the stuff he popped. He's a wonderfully, like, wonderfully ooh. talented. I genuinely love watching him. But there were times where he just thought, "What the fuck are you doing there?" And I, why the fuck the are you week, standing the, there? The week there, before the game, see, they'd be going, "You know, Remain's got his quiff and he's composed. How will people know the kind of player I am when I come on the field?" Oh, I know. I'll fucking platinum blonde myself like a giant mad beacon before I go on. That'll sort it out. <laughs> But yeah, I just think that the way that it's got that whole rhythm, particularly the, the rhythm of Dupont with the, and, and Zemak before he went off, was just sublime. And like you say, even if it had been 15 versus 15, I don't think I'd have fancied France to win that game. Scotland were on it. Yes, and they were. They just, yeah. And they had the right plan for the right team. And yeah, it, it, once again, it seems the international coaches know more about rugby than we do. Who knew? Yeah, funny that. But, uh, you know, but ultimately, I don't want to sound condescending, but I, uh, I can't say that I've said, seen that very often with Scotland over the last couple of years, that, you know, it feels like they got the game plan bang on. That is true. To, to uh, neutralise the opposition and maximise their strengths. The word 80-minute game, you know, the words 80-minute phrase, 80-minute games was used a lot. At the end of mm. it, you know, was this the first time you've seen an 80-minute performance from Scotland? And from start to finish, it was exactly what it was supposed to be. And it was planned, and it was controlled, and it made a great deal of sense. And it was all caught as well. It had it had all elements to it. There was some good stuff in there. There was some tough stuff in yeah, there. W- there was some sensible yeah, was stuff in there. Set, yeah, you know. there was good set piece, piece. There was good tactical stuff. There was some really nice free, free-flowing rugby. It was, it was, there was a lot of, there was good niggle. It was just, yeah, it first, was a... a, a, a... The first line was a on. fucking nightmare. And I thought, oh, here we go. <laughs> And then, and then that turned out. Yeah. And it just shows you how things are going for you when their last line out, which was a fucking nightmare, bounced straight up into Not, the arms yeah. of Stuart McInally so he could score. Yeah. So that was a. It just shows you a funny old game and all that, bounce of the rugby ball and all yeah. that stuff. When it's, when it's your day, sometimes it's just your fucking day. So what and, is, uh, where, does yeah. that, where does that put you or them for Saturday? Which is still going ahead, well, as far as we know. Fucking, so. They're going to fucking win, aren't they? Is it in Murrayfield? I wouldn't back Wales. No, it's in Cardiff, but I wouldn't back Wales. Are you sure? We said, this, we said that France... We, said, we spent the entire last week's episode saying it was in Paris when it fucking wasn't. <laughs> That's how fucking, fucking clever wasn't. we are. It is definitely in Cardiff, uh, and I look forward to congratulating our Scotland friends on uh, uh, winning for the first time in fucking ages, because I wouldn't back Wales against fucking anybody at the moment. We are a shambles, and, and, I look, that's, and that's we deserve too to finish a word. Shambles is too strong a word. I understand you fell. No, no team with a defense. No team with a defense as bad as ours can be described, and a set piece as bad as ours can be described as anything other than a shambles. Shambles, I'm afraid. Right. I, do, I I'm of the view that um, 
this has got a stench of the end of Alex Ferguson's reign. You know what I mean? It's such a big thing to come to an end of, and I don't think yeah. the sample size is big enough to be as fed up as you are. However, I'm not you, and I'm not Welsh, so therefore I don't have to, you know, bother myself. I can I can bother <laughs> myself with logic and reason, which you lot don't seem to give a shit about. So, nah, not that. Fuck it. Um, yeah, I, I agree though. You know, this is. Gatlin was always going to be irreplaceable. I don't think it was going to expected it to go quite this badly. Um, yeah. I think it might be a long time before it gets better. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't. If Scotland play like they played on the weekend, they'll fucking batter Wales in Cardiff, and rightly so. so. The question is can Scotland string two of those performances in a row together? Which is well, not arguably, they kind of already have in terms of a tone of performance. Could they, I know it was only Italy, but they did it against Italy, didn't they? They locked them out. I don't know. I think any anything with the words against Italy is null Fair and enough. void. Fair you know? enough. I'm just trying Wales, to, because I've, Wales, we're often hard Wales on Scotland. Italy. We're often hard on Scotland, so I'm just trying to be fair. And I'm just um, anyway. We'll I see. Think, I think if more more in, if you tie you tie it in with the way that they played against Ireland in that first game, where they still they were tough in defence and they had they know, played well the in that stuff. game. That was what's so they frustrating did play well about in it. That game. Yeah. It's the fact they, they kept fucking. They just couldn't tie it in with scoring tries. the ball up five but, meters from the line yeah. repeatedly. <laughs> and yeah, you know, some, if all of that has come has come together, then they'll win and win well in Cardiff on the weekend. If it's still, you know, if that was a bit of a, a perfect storm in a positive sense um, of ev- of everything kind of clicking on its day, and then I mean, who knows what could happen? Because who knows what what Wales will turn up? But uh, yeah, I mean. I hope there's lots to talk about because we're going to have to fill a fucking podcast with it next week. So uh, <laughs> I hope it's not 9-3. Well, we're an hour in now, so shall we do shit good? Uh, first shit here from Larry Alaka, yeah. or Alaka, Alaka. Mm-hmm. He says, shit is weekend podcast, podcast being delivered on a Thursday. Point of order, Larry, this will be delivered on a Wednesday. The fact that you don't deliver, <laughs> listen to it until Thursday Evening. is your fucking problem, <laughs> quite frankly. But yes, point taken. We apologise again. Jen B also gets in touch and says, shit is Exeter for turning away former Fly B employees from the game on Saturday. Saying and it was for commercial. Tony Rowe's response. That's Tony the weird Rose's thing. I can understand somebody on the gate uh, going, sorry, mate. Insane. I can understand somebody on the yeah, gate going, sorry, mate, these are valid. I can't even scan you in and I don't really know what to do about yeah. it. That's just the kind of some lad or lady on the gate sort of going, oh, I'm sorry that I can't let you in. It was then Tony. Totally... No, it's above my pay grade. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sorry. And, that's and the... understandable. You know, maybe if you'd phoned like the match supervisor that day and they'd have said, look, I've lost my job this week, mate. Seriously, can I not even come in? They might have gone, you know, it might have been nicer to go, you know what, we've got a fucking hospitality box going, why don't you three of you come in? Nobody's, you know, it's going spare anyway or whatever or there'll be somewhere we can get you to stand. They didn't, that's fair enough, but it was then, as you say, it was Tony Rowe's weird thing to basically come out and go, well, you know, unfortunately, the fucking commercial agreement's fallen through and we're not a charity. And the really insulted thing, it was like, fucking hell, you really are just Honestly. fucking him off now. And at the end, he, he said, however, as some small recompense, we're giving you free entry to the fucking A-League game. A-League game. On Monday, which about two people and a fucking pigeon come to, basically. It was like, that's really, really just telling people what you think of them, isn't it? it, it I honestly, like, it's t- like, ex- I, I don't, I don't wish to say Brendan Venter was right, but when Brendan Venter sort of went on his weird rant about Exeter when the whole Saracens thing happened, 
Scotland and was like, well, you better hope that you're you're whiter than white then now that you've kind of appointed yourselves as the fucking moral arbiters of rugby union. Yes. But, yeah, if you're going to fucking act like you're better than everybody else and that you're the ones sort of keeping the soul of rugby alive, when something like this happens, you better fucking behave with some sense of fucking moral character instead of acting like fucking Ebenezer Scrooge for some reason. You know, how much would those tickets have cost them? You know, how much... How much you know, but even if I don't... You know, yes, they, they've basically the thrown the Exeter's just... reputation in the bin for a couple hundred quid. But even if you can understand on the day that, look, they could just come out and say, look, we're really sorry. Yeah. Actually, they weren't valid, so I can understand why the person on the gate did what they yeah. did. However, had we known about it on the day, game. we would have yeah. done something differently. It's been a terrible win yeah. for them. Yeah. And although it's not our fault that Flybe haven't honoured a commercial arrangement... Yeah. You know, however, we Golden are willing yeah. to do that. And actually, not even not even from a cynical PR point of view, just because hashtag more than a game, it's hashtag a nice rugby values, do you know what I mean? Just hashtag nice thing to do, be decent human beings about it. Yeah. It, completely aside from the fact that it would have been absolutely fucking great PR. Yeah, random acts made of kindness, extra. you know. And, would have, and people would have gone, oh, extra, they're, they're just a club that does things the right way, you know? Yeah, bizarre. Oh, and instead, it's Tony Rowe fucking coming out and looking like an absolute lunatic on the news, basically going, we're not a charity. He should have come out in that big white silk war bonnet that he wears when they won, just to re-emphasise <sighs> how much of a twat he was being. Anyway, <laughs> moving on to shit, yes. more shit. Chris gets in touch. He says, shit, I was on a stag doing Benidorm at the weekend. Oh, no, that's not the end of it, sorry. I was on a stag doing Benidorm <laughs> at the weekend. After the match, I got chatting to a bloke at the bar from Brecon who was adamant we've gone back 15 years. We've gone back... 15 years to the days of Hansen. I necked, I necked my Jaeger bomb and made a sharp exit. All right, so you're pissed off. Okay. Unreasonable man in Barney Benidorm. I mean, when was the last time we lost three games on the banks in the Six Nations? If you'd gone back 15 years to the time of Hansen, you'd be winning a fucking Grand Slam. Yeah. <laughs> That sounds like a fuck. Although he said Hansen yeah. or Henson, so did he mean like the band? Hans- By the way, Hansen was a lot more than fifteen years ago. <laughs> fuck, it was as well. Wasn't it? Um, I was in uni when Hansen yeah. was out, so that must have been about yeah. 96, 1996, Hansen. Isn't the isn't that little lad on the drums about forty now? Oh no! Oh yeah! Uh, yeah! Yeah! Are they still are they still called Hansen? I feel like they're called something else now, or maybe they they're back anyway. That's all I know. They're still going. That that song was entirely made up of, of lyrics that weren't enunciated. I quite like that. They had a lot of them in the 90s, didn't they? Like Hootie the Blowfish. Anyway, sorry, what was that all about? Do apologise. I need to write another song. Uh, Obviously, I've got it. I've got some yeah. kind of melody in me. So yeah, there you anyway, go. Yeah, yeah. They had a new album out. They had a they had a Christmas album out in two, Ooh, 2017. Good Lord above. Yeah. Did they and, do some uh, kind of Christmas uh, slant on Umbop? That would be fucking amazing. Snowdrop. Snowdrop. Dap dap. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> They performed backing vocals on the title song for Mike Love's solo album. God, there's a mark of a bunch of cunts. Mike Love off of the Beach Boys. Yeah. I mean, nobody should be Team Mike Love 
in that one. <laughs> in come that, on. Yeah, come on. Everybody knows that you're, you're Team Wilson. That's how you know somebody's a decent person or not. Yeah. Anyway. Um, anyway, Bruce McConaughey gets in touch. He said, shit, is Edinburgh signing a South African teenager? A 17-year-old lad. He said, but good, I suppose, is the fact that the teenager looks like this. And it was a photo of him, and he's a fucking he's massive. A fucking monster. He looks like the fucking <laughs> honey monster's been shaved and rolled out for the cameras. Yes. But yeah, uh, lots. Of, I'm not going to into it now. Scottish Rugby blog podcast do a very good discussion about what this means for Scottish Rugby and that, why you're signing 17-year-old kids and you're not getting them from your academies and all that kind of stuff. So have a listen to them. You've got a full discussion about it. D. Clark mm. gets in touch and says, shit, is Eddie Jones's tired shtick. We get it. You're a bellend. You don't have to continue to prove it with every single press interaction. You know what's becoming clear to me? I what? think he's bored. I think he's bored. I as think fuck, he's mate. really bored in the job that he's doing now, and he, this is what happens. He starts to be it's destructive behaviour through boredom. Yeah, it's like he's he's basically like a sort of kid that's been left, like a sort of unruly schooled kid that's been left in a room. <laughs> he's with in like, isolation for too long. He's a, yeah, and he's got a pen and paper, and he's supposed to write you know a story of his day or something. Uh, but then in the room, at the other end of the room, there's a fire extinguisher. <laughs> And he can either sit there and do his job and do what he's told and get to go home on time. Or he can just go and fucking play with the fire extinguisher. And I just think Eddie's in full-on fire extinguisher mode now. He doesn't care. Yeah. He's shooting himself down the hallway using one of those fucking compressed gas ones. I'm one of those people yeah, who say he has these kind of like, he, he, he's not so good after you know three years in a job or something. I mean, I'm not. If I if I don't change jobs every sort of three and a half years, I get bored, and then I I do get not destructive, but I do kind of start giving less of a shit. Frankly, yeah, and I think there well, is it's just any job you any job you're in for any length of time. Eventually, you'll understand what the job entails, and either you'll find that enjoyable and reward rewarding, or you'll get bored and need to do something else. And I think he's in that, yeah. And I think this is what this is all about. Because it is noticeable yeah. how much his press conferences are just getting worse and worse and worse. Because yeah, that 16 versus 13 thing. comment was just a fucking disgrace. Yeah, I mean, like, for a man that, you know, after the game, his team had three red card level sightings doled out <laughs> to his players yes. and had the temerity to talk about refs not being fair to his team in, in that moment. It's like, mate. And you're constantly talking about brutal physicality and 30% more everything. Yeah. And then funnily enough, all that physicality means that, you know, it's got some good things to it, but it also means you're sailing close to the edge and you might get a few sightings. Yeah. So. Yeah. And you're inviting that by talking the big talk about brutal physical physicality, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. It's... Anyway. Yeah, he's bored. He kind of wants somebody to sack him. <laughs> Can I have a payoff, please? Dressing yes. to happen. It's it's got a sort of third year Jose Mourinho in uh, any job vibe about it. You know, yes. it's like I'm just going to be mardy as fuck until somebody throws me out of here. What else have we got here? Um, shit, Sean says shit is shit banter. Rugby or otherwise, typically rolled out as a yeah. justification or excuse for being a fuckwit or making a fuckwit <laughs> statement. Should be stricken from the language and anyone who uses it should be nutted repeatedly. 
It's a strong position you're adopting, Sean, but I'm 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 not going to disagree <laughs> with you. It's unequivocal. It's absolutely unequivocal. Yes, and I do think that actually a nutting is, kind the, is of, the way forward agree. to solve many a thing. Many a thing. Yeah. Ali Price gets in touch and says, "Shit, just pundits in general. Most of them don't seem to know what the laws are, and they add nothing. You could hear Shane. <laughs> you could hear Shane panic." through the television when Nick Mullins asked him to sum up the difference between Edwards and a, Edwards and a Haywood defence. Yeah, and I don't know why he panicked. He's going to go, well, well, one's really good and one's shit, isn't it? He could have just said that and that would have done the job. Yeah. It? <laughs> it would have been easy. But uh, yeah, uh, I I feel like this weekend did reveal a kind of... It, how bad the punditry is across I mean, so much. Shane is noticeably fucking terrible. Shane is must be awful, sad. bless him. Although I did enjoy his... Um, well, I say enjoy. I, <laughs> I thought his his concussion thing on BBC... Oh, I haven't watched uh, that. I haven't watched. Oh, he's a nice bloke. I imagine good. that would work because he's, he's a nice, yeah. personable bloke. And, and, you know, but... Yeah. And he, was, he spoke very sort of frankly and honestly about kind of how he has to sort of change his mindset about sort of how he thinks about these things and all this sort of stuff. It was very, it was very good. And, you know, it wasn't fucking world-changing, but it was decent. But I think that's what he's good at. What I don't think he's good at is commentating on a rugby game <laughs> at all. Oh. Uh, what else have we got here? A, rug- a rugby person says, shit is Jalabert's hair, but also yes. good is Jalabert's hair. Yeah. I mean, you can't have a player like that and not expect those sort of things to happen, you know? I love him. The minute I mean, he came yeah, on, I was not. like, brilliant. They're down to fucking nobody. <laughs> They've got a red card off. It's raining. They've lost their fucking linchpin. And this is and so either this is <laughs> going to be the most perfect fucking thing you've ever seen for them <laughs> or it's going to go bad, and it went bad. It went so bad. Because actually, if you, yeah, if you think, about yeah. any, think about any team, right, you're behind, you're away from home, it's raining, you've lost arguably your best player on the day and for the tournament, one of them, and you've got a 21-year-old lad who likes to have a bit of a laugh <laughs> playing 10. It's this, you know, what's going to happen here? <laughs> who wouldn't have absolutely shat the bed? Yeah, in that who, who would have position, won that game you know? from there? It's, it's equivalent to like sort a of child's England. drawing yeah. of Carlos Spencer trying to fucking pull you back into the game when it's <laughs> pissing it down. Yeah, it would be the equivalent of England being in that hole and then, you know, uh, and, you know, Farrell or Ford going off and Marcus Smith coming on instead. <laughs> and it's like, yes. on the right day, this could have gone fantastically, oh, yeah. but this yeah. is absolutely One not One game in seven, this would be brilliant. For the other six, <laughs> you're going to lose. Yeah. yeah. By the way, I saw him in the flesh for the first time on Sunday. Oh, yeah, you were at Bristol Fans, yeah. me, he is good. Yeah, <laughs> like, every time I've watched that him, thing, I've not seen That the thing flesh, when but... you're watching him, like, you, when you can, when you watch a player live and you get a sense of how, like, the, the lines that he runs mm. and the angles that he runs and the passes that he puts in, he's, he's so fucking good. Like, the... I can't even remember who Harlequin's fly-off was in the first half, but he was genuinely probably the worst fly-off I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> You've seen Luke Evans. <laughs> and I've seen Luke Evans. It was, it was that bad. It was, it was Luke Price bad. Luke um, Price, sorry. Luke Evans is a Welsh yeah. actor. Gave himself yeah. all mixed yeah. up. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then Marcus Smith came on at half-time, and all of a sudden Quinns went from absolutely appalling to ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's like... One oh. game in seven, it works every time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Patricia, no, sorry, 
Feed Me Crumble Resurrection gets in touch and says, shit, was Lawrence Delalio regarding the Tuolangi tackle? Yeah, we agree with you, covered that. Joe Taring says, shit, is the Welsh front five options? I know we all love Ken and Alan Wynn and somehow doing Alan Wynn things still, but everyone else seems to be the most nondescript and generic players going. It's hardly a foundation for what Pivac wants to do. I think that's I think well, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to cast judgment on Leon Brown and Reese Carre that quickly. I think the reality is that they are not uh scrummages, either of them really yet. And you know, Wales is Wayne Pivak seems to determined to pick for, uh, players in his pack who are not very good at the set piece. And I mean, I mean they it's one way to offer, go. <laughs> they obviously offer things in other areas, but you know, the fact that we were in a situation where Aaron Shingler was playing in the second row for Wales in the Twickenham was fucking That's not where what? anybody that's not where anyone wants to be, fucking is it? What? <laughs> You know, but that's yeah. And I think that's that's part of it. I don't think you can say that about players like Josh Navidi, who somehow came off, you know, hasn't played rugby in about three months and just turned up at Twickenham and was just like, yeah, I'm just going to fucking smash this. Don't worry about it. I'm just going to run around like an absolute lunatic for eighty minutes and play eighty minutes. Who else did that? Somebody else came back after playing fuck all on the weekend and just smashed it. Mark Wilson. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's because he's in not both human. Cases. Yeah, in both cases, it was just like, how are you doing this? Both of you, what's wrong with you? Uh, what else we got here? Patricia says, shit, for possibly the first time in his career, Antoine de Point had an absolute stinker. However, Douglas Branch did clarify, fair enough, however, that crossfield kick is surely enough to stop him having a, a stinker, yeah. And yeah, on was- the hoof... 15 defenders being two inches away from killing you. <laughs> Beautifully accelerated cross Stink. kick is definitely, yeah. definitely worthwhile bringing you yeah. down from the stinker level. Pete Cresswell gets in touch and says, shit was a Queensland Reds goal kicking. They go to Christchurch, outscored a three times defending champs four tries to three and lose by four points because all of the kicks at goal were missed. <laughs> Oh, fucking hell. That is fucking peak Australian <laughs> rugby, isn't it? Um, Imagine what fucking Brad Thorne felt <laughs> in that moment, being back on his old fucking manor <laughs> in Canterbury and and being so close to beating fucking the Crusaders at home. And then, oh, I pity you, Evan. The final shit, those goals. brace yourselves, yes. everyone, because this one came through on, on the uh, Patreon messaging because it was a long one. Hamish Allen gets Wait. in touch. He says, shit, is the anti-Townsend brigade. He's been yelling that he's crap and only where he is because of an ambitious pole climbing, because he's an ambitious pole climbing SRU yes man. The same people that are criticising him for Scotland's less flamboyant attack are the same arseholes that are criticising him for Scotland being too soft two years ago. He was lucky to get the Glasgow job, but you can't argue with what he achieved there, taking him, taking him from nowhere to winning the Pro 12 and competing at the sharp end of Europe. If he made an ambitious pump for the Scotland job, it was up to a million pound Mark Dodson to actually say, to say, actually, no, Vern's doing fine and it's madness to change this coach two years out from a World Cup. I'm glad he's ambitious. Don't tell me Gatlin, Jones, Edward Schmidt and all the others aren't ambitious. He got plenty wrong at the World Cup and he can definitely question the slightly humorous approach to the Finn Russell nonsense, but he's not running a fucking holiday camp, is he? After the World Cup, this Six Nations needed to be about the team growing the fuck up. 
He's got his tactics bang on against France and the French performance of Red Car was as much to do with that as it was Richie's massively punchable dial. Ambition is fucking great. The condescending Scotland should be a great little team brigade can fuck off as well. As much as we love the Finn-inspired cats that are rave Twickenham shit, international rugby generally ain't like that. Oh, I feel like breaking into applause after that. I mean, I don't not, agree not that with I agree, 90% not, of that, but yeah. Not even I don't agree with it, but I like it as a beautiful yeah. piece of a polemic. I do like it very much. Yeah, glorious. Uh, should we move on to good? Yeah. Uh, we've got George Ford, as we're talking about, I've already mentioned him. Uh, Robert Marcaccioli gets in touch, and he says, good for the podcast is Rory Sutherland and jo- Xander Ferguson. Great to see a dominant yeah. Scotland scrub. That has been the biggest Honestly, surprise, Rory Sutherland has been a fucking revelation. Outstanding. Yeah. Yeah. Play, he'll be in the well. He'll be in with a shot for the team of the tournament. Put it that way. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, Maryland Chapo gets in touch. He said, "Good is Jamie Ritchie's jaw." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I do love that. Basically, he well. So let's talk through what happened here. There was a bit of pushing and shoving. Jamie Ritchie decided to run in from about fifteen meters away and push everyone a little bit harder than there was already happening. Yeah, and then as a rule. Um, and then as a result, ooh-ah, clocked in one. I'm yes. here all day for that kind of back row shit housery, to be honest. Yeah, that's exactly what back row should be doing. You know, it's... If if you can't, like... He didn't do anything naughty. You know, the you know the French are accusing Nick Hanen of doing naughty things, but Jamie Richie didn't do anything. No. He just ran in. He ran in and shoved everybody. We probably didn't need yeah. to, but even so, it was yeah. enough to get everybody wound up, wasn't it? Yeah. He isn't a brace. You know, fucker, what we were talking it? about talking about earlier about you know the, the noble art of fucking winding people up on the rugby field. Let's never lose that. Just don't take it too far. Yeah. What else have we got here? Miles Burley makes a point that you made earlier. Good is Mark Wilson's performance after just eighty minutes of play since the World Cup final puts in a ridiculous shift, not in his usual position of twenty-two tackles. Yeah, and also Navidi as well for coming back and playing a fight. Yeah. Navidi playing having played zero minutes. Since fucking January. David Lowry gets in touch. He says, good has to be Scotland's highly organised and effective defence. I'm looking forward to hearing what Josh has to say about the Scottish defence coach. I think we've covered this already last week, actually. But... Covered it shit loads of times. She's a good defence coach. Always was. Yeah. Shit head coach. Finn. Done, done the job there, yeah. Yeah. Jason Harris gets in touch. He said, good for me is Nick Tompkins belting out Henwad van Haddai like a true cumro. Puts to shame those principality mutes and mumblers we always see on the telly. He said, but Jason also says his shit is using singers over the PA. Stop it, England rugby. Let the crowd do the singing at Murrayfield. That second verse of Flower of Scotland, because I was at, I was at the Scotland-France game two years ago. Mm. That second verse, when all of the music cuts out and the crowd just sing, is one of the best fucking Great. things you can hear Great theater, in a sports man. stadium. It's wonderful. Yeah. On top of the lone piper beforehand and stuff. Yeah, On top yeah. of the stand. It's all, they've got that absolutely down to absolutely the Absolutely nailed it, yeah. Uh, Reece not getting to it, just to add to this. He said, good is Tomkins, seven clean breaks, 24 defenders beating, and both lead the Six Nations, him and Hogg lead the Six Nations with 234 metres run. No, he's second only to Hogg, 234 metres run. And given Hogg's a fullback, so has 50 metres to run into every time, that's a... Yeah. Pretty good going from Tompkins. He's he's a work in progress, isn't he? But uh... massively, he's a very different kind of thirteen than I think we're used to seeing a lot of in international rugby. And I still don't know if he's going to work, but he's fun. He made That's that tipping try though, didn't he? Fucking that unbelievable! Fucking big step did, yeah. off the right foot and Woof. off you go. Woof! And he's got he's got a lovely pass on him, hmm. like genuinely just an ooh. 
pass. The number of times he does a pass, and I go, ooh, it's, yeah. David McIntosh gets in touch. It's good. It's Hamish Watson being Hamish Watson. After three minutes, he ran at Wilhelmsa, a man roughly the size of an average boulangerie, sat him on his arse, and proceeded to be nothing short of fucking amazing for the rest of the game. God, I love him. Well, you and me both, David. He was... I think, responsible for four turnovers on Saturday. And, and forget the stats, he was. He yeah. was in, he, he, he was in, and he was, it wasn't, it was the variety that he was in and nicking the ball. He did it at Maul, he did it at Rook, he did it in his own tackles, and he carried all day as well. He was so fucking good. Yeah, and and it's it's easy to kind of, just get used to him being excellent because he's always excellent. Yes, he is. But he, but we should appreciate that he's very, very yeah, good. Yeah, he was that bit better. That. He was so good yeah. on Sunday. Uh, Ree Garth Jones, our friend and contributor, gets in touch. He says, Ben Young's. Well, that must have been hard for you to say, Rihanna. I don't, I don't underestimate how difficult that was. He's been really good last two games, and while having such a dominant pack obviously helps, it also looked like a bit more like the player he was about 10 years ago. Credit where it's due and that. He does seem to save... Does he play well against Wales, or have I got a false memory? He quite there? often does play against Wales. I, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. We've we've discussed this so many times. Yeah. Everyone gets he gets one in six. Yeah, uh, and finally, a couple of things. Ten Epp says good with the seventies and eighties revival that happened last weekend. A French pop prop punching someone, length of the field Welsh try, a bit of bag snatching. Full time, full team pilings, <laughs> red cards at Twickenham, Hamish Watson's Mike Teague tribute mullet. It had everything. It was retro heaven. And an Irish listener James said, he said, all I needed was someone to someone to call me a paddy, and it was like the eighties would have would have been completely back. <laughs> James said that everybody, not me. Yeah. Um. There you go, Josh. I mean. We managed to get, you know, an hour and a half out of two. Near enough, yeah. Two games. I mean, let's see if we can do it with one game next week. Guaranteed. You know, I say next week, Saturday. It's Thursday for you people. Yes. Thank you very much, everybody, for your patience and thank you for your listening and thank you for your contributions and and just, well, just thank you, generally. Thank you. you Thank you for the music. Yes. Yeah. Speak to you all. I will. I'm on the Guardian. I think this weekend again. So come and sit, drop me a line there if you want. I'm, I probably won't use it because, to be honest, it's fucking hard work doing live commentary, and I've got time fucking for emails. Hell it but, is. Uh, yeah. Maybe at half time. You know, dr- <laughs> if you want to get your name mentioned, do it at half time. That's a little. Yeah. Insight do it. Just do it about thirty nine minutes, and then it'll <laughs> pop into the inbox at just the right moment. All right then. Cheers, everybody. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, everybody. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Have you got a one-for-all gift card that you've yet to spend? Treat yourself at any of the 11,000 one-for-all retail partners nationwide before December 31st, and you could win €10,000 in cash. When you spend your gift card, simply visit oneforall.ie forward slash win, and you'll be in with a chance of winning. Terms and conditions apply. One for all. Proud to support Irish businesses. The One for All gift card is issued by GVS Prepaid Europe Limited. GVS Prepaid Europe Limited is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Sports Social Podcast Network. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.